When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another Realm Media, exploring the unknown, where mystery meets reality. Are you ready to embark on a journey through space and time? Introducing the Psychic Sleep Hour with Santosh, the ultimate experience in relaxation and exploration. With Yoga Nidra practices, you'll be transported to a world beyond your imagination. Each episode takes you on a unique journey, exploring the vastness of the universe and the depths of your own consciousness. As you listen, you'll feel yourself drifting away from the stresses of daily life as you delve deeper into a state of complete relaxation. You'll feel your body and mind melting away as you become more and more immersed in the practice. I'm Santosh, and I will be your guide on this journey, leading you through a series of calming visualizations and meditative practices, helping you to access a state of deep relaxation and heightened awareness. You'll awaken your senses, expand your mind, and unlock the full potential of your consciousness. So, Whether you're an experienced yogi or a complete novice, join us on this incredible journey through space and time. Psychic Sleep Hour with Santosh is available now on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today and begin your journey towards ultimate relaxation and exploration. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another fantastic episode of The Convergence Enigma with Josh and Stefan. I am your host, Stefan Gerhardt, joined as always by my clean and friendly co-host, Mr. Josh Rutledge. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing fantastic. Um, The rains are finally here in the Phoenix area, Mm -hmm. uh, which means... You know, in my one year of experience now, for me, it means that maybe there's like six more weeks of like grueling hot temperatures. And then, <laughs> and then it's, and then it's, you know, just regular hot temperatures. So, yeah, definitely a hotter summer than last summer. That's for sure. 
That's for sure. But speaking of Phoenix, we got a really great episode today. We're going to be dipping into the Convergence files uh, and talking about the Superstition Mountains right here in East Phoenix. Well, technically Mesa and uh, other areas. Apache you know, Junction little, area. Apache Junction, a little further east of Phoenix <laughs> there. But the Superstition Mountains outside your window. Um yep filled with so much lore so much everything uh, there's so much convergence action happening there that's what we're going to be talking about there uh, but you know just a reminder this is a short season so uh you know be on the lookout for for when those drop um we got a lot of fun stuff uh last last month we covered the uap hearings um not much has moved since then but uh you know pretty excited regardless uh still about that yep um, and I, I think that, you know, with the introduction, you know, shortly after those hearings, the passing of the um, the defense, uh, I can't remember what it's called, defense something act uh, that, you know, it basically includes like 18 pages regarding uh, UAP and, and all that kind of stuff that hopefully we are starting to, to see. Like, I, I, I feel like the snowball has been, you know, rolling for, let's say, the last three four years right but like mm-hmm. now i feel like we're finally at a point where it's starting to pick up speed and like you know gonna roll over somebody i don't know but you know <laughs> it's just, um so i'm hoping I'm, I'm i'm optimistic that you know the the you know grush coming out the uap hearing the the bill like all these things are like the dominoes are starting to fall so yep and uh, I just, I love all of the, you know, I said this last time, but I love all the non-UFO people engaging me because they know I do a paranormal yeah. podcast. Um, it's great to, uh, you know, them asking me my opinion on everything. So it's yeah. pretty cool. But anyways, uh, if you're ready, we get things started before we get into our, uh, you know, into our Superstition Mountains. Let's go ahead and get our segment out of the way and do a little psychic word of the week. And now. Uh... Psychic word of the week. All right, so this week I flipped the pages, landed on page 512, and uh, found a really interesting term called psychological imprisonment. Hmm. Okay. So let me let me throw my Chuck Schumer glasses on here yeah. real quick. Uh, so this uh, in parentheses psychological imprisonment says destructive brainwashing cults uh, says to function in a personality that is not one's own by right of decision to have been cornered or coerced or and or excuse me coerced into a specific set of beliefs and personality changes by mental telepathic and hypnotic suggestions without one's consent or knowledge of it happening victim is unable to make logical decisions contrary to dogma or rules of the destructive cult as the mental telepathic telepathic and hypnotic suggestions continue 24 hours a day victim is unable to think for her or himself as he or she is always under the influence of verbal ploy or a mass mental atmospheric field geared for the purpose and beliefs of the destructive cult victim's mind is strapped and suppressed of previous concepts and knowledge by the will of another Hmm. man is that so? Do you think like uh, the the Kool Aid guy? Like, do you feel like his people, Jim Jones, yeah, would have been part of that? Like, not him himself, but his people, the, his followers. Maybe? I mean, that of course is a matter of opinion, of course, but it's like 
Yeah, it could be psychological imprisonment. I mean, they talk about, you know, those those people that have to undo brainwashing when mm -hmm. people get rescued from cults or break out of cults. You know, there's yep. a lot of uh, deprogramming that has to happen. Um, and there are a lot of them, you know, that do use hypnotic suggestions and, yep. and things. You know, and, and I'll, I'm thinking about, you know, and of course I know that um the like stage hypnosis where like you go to a, hypno a mm -hmm. hypnosis show you know next thing you know it's midnight you're pulling popcorn out of your pants um mm -hmm. those are different than like you know doing a hypnosis where you're trying to recover something or whatever but the way that the brain responds is effectively the same and so um you could take someone who is susceptible to stage hypnosis and would sure. they be more susceptible to you know directed hypnosis underneath like changing the way you think and feel because they're already they have a proclivity to 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 respond well to just hypnosis in general i'm just i mean you know, I don't know. You know there's a lot of people that look at um christianity um evangelical christianity especially like praise music and things like mm -hmm. that as as that hypnotic suggestion, uh, the way the music has moved, how it triggers certain endorphins in your brain and things like that. Yeah. Um, as, as part of the same thing, you know, uh, people forget that Christianity is a large religion now, but at one point it was considered a cult as well. So yeah. the Jesus cult. I, I always, it always also makes me think of the, the scene from the burbs when, <laughs> when, when Ray's like, I love Satan. Satan is my friend. You know, <laughs> Ray, <laughs> Ray, you're chanting, Ray, you're chanting. So yeah, just, <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, so, well, thanks for the psychic word of the week. That's really interesting. Um, and I wonder, you know, I'm going to say this and probably get some eye rolls from some people and maybe some nods from others, but um, the idea that the media in general, the mass media in general, um, that they have a specific narrative or a selection of narratives that, that they're trying to push. Um, and I think that this is probably true regardless if it's Fox News or CNN. They they probably have specific things they want people to follow or watch or whatever. Um, so I wonder if there's some aspect of that, you know, seeing the same content repeated over and over again, that's a form of hypnosis, right? It's just, right. it's, it's, in, it's, putting it in there in, into your psyche so that it's the same it's the same method that's used for like you know tv commercials and stuff how many people can hear um jg wentworth eight seven know, seven, eight, seven cash, seven now. cash now see so you you're you know so you pick up a, it's the same thing it's that repetition of hearing it over and over again that it just becomes part of your like psyche muscle memory mm -hmm. that you just say it and so um you know it, it makes you you know talking about this whole uap topic and everything and how mass media has it you know just recently have they really started covering it um you know is that because there wasn't a want to really push it into the minds of the public right um like they've done with so many other things so Anyways, I don't know. It's really interesting to think about. Mm -hmm. So, All right, uh, well, let's uh, let's break into the convergence files and talk about some superstition mountains.
Yeah. So Superstition Mountains, um, for those that are not aware, it is a pretty big mountain range um, in the Arizona area, like Stefan said, east of what is proper, proper Phoenix. But I think when they count Phoenix as the sixth biggest city in the U.S., they don't look at just the strip of what is proper Phoenix. They look at the entirety of Phoenix, you know, includes all of its various suburbs and everything and mesa is one of those as well as apache junction and those are the areas that kind of directly border the east uh border of the superstition mountains but there are towns even up in you know mm -hmm. within the superstition mountains that are speckled throughout there as well like tortilla flats right <laughs> um and uh you know so just kind of taking a look at this from uh you know let's start at the foundational level right so what how did the superstition mountains as a mountain range come to be mm -hmm. well about four and a half billion years ago during the precambrian era um they via, via like volcanic eruptions and things like that tectonic forces uh they formed many mountain ranges including the superstition mountains so the superstition mountains are around 4.5 billion years old and for most humans to live an average of like maybe 82 to 90 years, that's in like the, like the thought of that number just is just it's for a me, long time. Yeah, a long time, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, no, it's closer than that. It's here. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we were the galaxy far, far away. Anyway. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it continues to kind of be built and expanded upon over that time um and you know basically with you know again volcanic activity sedimentation uplift faulting, erosion weathering all that kind of stuff you end up with what you see today um but uh you know it's it's an impressive mountain range and i I do admit I love when I'm like driving home from like your house or whatever mm -hmm. and it's and it's daylight. I love being able to look up and see the mountain. It's just a, a beautiful sight. So Yeah, especially to me the the mountain itself that's right outside of Goldfield. Mm -hmm. The the ghost town, like yep. that that little stretch right there is to me the most beautiful. I yep. just absolutely adore it. So um and, and, the, and there is quite a bit of hiking up through there. So if you're ever in the Phoenix area um, go check out some of the trails that are available in those. Yeah, my my favorite's the hieroglyphic trail where mm -hmm. there's a lot of petroglyphs. Um, basically, you know, if you don't know what petroglyphs are, it's basically Native American graffiti <laughs> from yeah. thousands and thousands of years ago. Um, but it's really, really cool. It's one of my favorite hikes to see all the, the artwork and stuff that's just naturally like so, there. It's not in a museum. It's it's there right. on the rocks. The, the, the rock is the museum, right? So yep. Um, so that kind of leads into the next little bit, which is the cultural history of the area. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got uh, Native American tribes. Um, <clears throat> has, you know, the Superstition Mountains have been inhabited by a number of different tribes over the years. There's the Apache, the Pima. I'm probably going to pronounce this one wrong. Tohono Odham, maybe. Um, have ancestral connections in the region. And, and of course they all have their kind of sacred uh spiritual belief systems which are also associated with the superstition mountains 
mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get into a little bit more uh, in just a moment. But there's also, you know, Spanish exploration in the 16th century. Uh, Spanish explorers arrived in the southwest and just basically uh, went all around the Superstition Mountains. Um, you know, seeking out those fabled cities of gold, which we have yep. yet to find. It doesn't mean they don't exist. <laughs> we just haven't found them yet. Um, and this also fueled the legend of the lost Dutchman's gold mine, yep. um, which is later associated with uh, Superstition Mountains. Um, so then we get into the mining and ranching era in the late 19th century, uh, an influx of miners and ranchers. Uh, again, attracted to the mineral resources and the valleys and et cetera. And we have mining, big mining operations, such as like the Silver King mine and Goldfield mine, as you mentioned there but mm-hmm. just a minute before about Goldfield Ghost Town. Um, but, you know, the Superstition Mountains are also steeped in a lot of legends and folklore. Uh, Lost Dutchman's Mine, which I mentioned just a few minutes ago. And, um, a, you know, that is the, the legend is that a German Im- immigrant named Jacob Waltz discovered a rich gold mine in the Superstition Mountains, but kept its location a secret. And then he died. <laughs> so, um, there's, there's this kind of thought that it's still in there somewhere. Nobody has found it, uh, which has led to a lot of people looking for it. And yeah, people still look for it and, and die. Like, I love yeah, and, and die of, and disappear. Yeah, like there's a lot of them that go. That, that's one of the biggest legends is do not hike in the Superstition Mountains by yourself, because so many hikers, people yep. looking for the gold mine, looking for uh, mines and things like that, have gone missing or, or I mean dead. You know when we did uh, last when we did last fall, or I guess it was the end of summer, the Mufon uh, boot camp, you know, uh, field investigator boot camp. Mm-hmm. One of the days, or I think two of the days, were out there um, at the parking lot for Weaver's Needle, which is a, a, a rock formation in the Superstition Mountains. And there, while we were there, there were like at least two or three different signs posted for different mi- missing people who had gone into that mountain range to hike and were never heard of again or never heard from mm-hmm. again. So, yep. Um, so you, I want to go a little bit more into the lost Dutchman mine because it's a pretty significant, um, aspect Story. of yeah. superstition mountains. So, um, so it's again, uh, 19th century, uh, German immigrant named Jacob Waltz, who was known as the Dutchman. Um, according to the legend, Waltz discovered a rich gold mine in the superstition mountains, but kept its location closely guarded secret. Jacob Walt died in 1891, and as he lay on his deathbed, he disclosed the existence of a gold mine to a few close associates. However, he never revealed the exact location of the mine. Um, so the location of the Dutchman gold mine remains a mystery to this day. Numerous treasure hunters and adventurers have searched for it, but the mine's whereabouts have remained elusive. Um, of course, it has, like we mentioned, rugged and dangerous terrain, mm-hmm. uh, coupled with the lack of precise information has made the search difficult. And um, I'll just... And there's not- there's hidden mines everywhere. People that right. dug, dug mine, people supposedly fall into these mines, but they're off the cut. So no one knows that they've fallen down into these old mines. Right. Exactly. Um, there's also the idea that um, there's supposedly a curse uh, mm-hmm. associated with uh, the mine or, or the gold. 
And so many of Search for the Mind have met with misfortune, and like disappearing, getting lost, or even dying. And they maybe attribute that back to the curse that is also tied to it. Right. If you uh, remember a long, long time ago, <laughs> the uh, Tales from the Fearscape um, fun bonus episode that we did, uh, the old timey serial that uh that i did the um jessup and bullseye mm-hmm. uh there was an old miner that was in there and his gold was cursed and things like that that was loosely based on the lost oh. touchman okay so. um so it, it also um you know, would like to call out here that the actual existence of the lost touch and gold mine remains unverified you know all we have is jacob on his deathbed saying it's real right but we don't have there's no um, there's no deed or anything that was ever issued for the land for a mine there's no map there's, so there's there's only his word that it's there um and no other supporting evidence exists right. um but uh aside from tales from the fearscape this has made it into quite a bit of uh, TV and, and you know movie stuff over the years. Um, so there's like in 2007, the History Channel did a Lost Worlds, and there was a the Lost Dutchman Mine, and it was covered uh, quite extensively in that episode. Um, in Mysteries at the Museum, also on the travel on the Travel Channel, excuse me, season one, episode four, they covered the Lost Dutchman Mine, and I remember when my dad was here. Uh, visiting uh, back uh, last uh, fall, I think um, we were going out there to hike, and he was telling me that he remembers watching it uh, when he was younger, like you know, in his twenties, about this TV show that talked about the Lost Touch from Mind. So I looked into it, and it was actually featured on In Search of. I was going to say In Search of, yeah, in 1977 with Leonard Nimoy. Which is one of my favorite shows, man. Yeah. Even the reboot with Zachary Quinto is really yeah. good. Yeah, I, I agree. I and I, I actually love that Zachary Quinto uh you know like I don't know if it was a comment if it, if it was a decision made because he played Spock or not, but I love that, you know, Nemo played Spock and he did it. Quinto played Spock and he did it. Yep. So um, <laughs> anyways. Uh so also within um kind of the folklore of the area we have the thunder gods cave um and according to native american legends there is a sacred cave hidden deep within the superstition mountains and it is believed to be the dwelling place of the thunder god who guards precious treasures and controls the weather um and then we also have the peralta massacre Mm, what's that so the Peralta family was a Mexican mining family and was rumored to have discovered a rich gold vein in the Superstition Mountains. However, the family met a tragic end when they were ambushed and killed, uh, allegedly by either Apaches or other bandits. And the exact location of their mine remains a mystery. Um, They're not not haunting that place at all. No, not at all. Um... (laughs) So according to the legends, the Peralta family encountered conflicts with indigenous tribes, uh, notably the Apache, and who were protective of their ancestral lands. It is believed that the Apaches attacked the Peralta family, resulting in death of many family members. Uh, again, uh, allegedly, you know, can't 
has not been ever proved or don't believe so. Yeah. Uh, the specific details of the attack and the number of casualties and the fate of the gold mine remain uncertain. The events surrounding the Peralta's family death have been embellished with dramatic elements. <laughs> as, if, as if they were told by somebody. Anyways, um, I don't know. I was going for a name there, but then the name disappeared from my mind. Morgan it, Freeman. Yeah, I don't know. Would he embellish? Maybe. No, but he would. Uh, it would sound oh, good. Yeah, I was going to say... Um, Oh my goodness, I'm totally not a Star Trek nerd today. The William Shatner. I was about to say William Shatner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, in this case, the historical records regarding the Peralta family and their alleged connection to the Lost Dutchman's Mine are limited, and much of the information available today is based on oral traditions, folklore, and speculation. Um, yeah. Weaver's Needle, which I mentioned um, mm -hmm. just a few minutes ago is a prominent rock formation in the Superstition Mountains and is often associated with legends. According to one story, it is the petrified remains of a giant who terrorized local Native American tribes. Uh, another tale suggests that a group of Spanish conquist conqu conqu conquistadors. conquistadors buried a treasure near the needle. Um... We have the uh, the Apache Death Cave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a legend of a cave in the Superstition Mountains that is believed to be cursed. According to the story, Apaches used the cave as a hideout and later trapped a group of Mexican miners inside, sealing their fate. Maybe that was the Peraltas. Uh, it is said that the spirits of those who perished still haunt the cave. Um, and then kind of the last little bit on the kind of folklore uh, piece is the Superstition Mountains as a gateway to the underworld. Mm, or, oh shit, Hollow Earth, man. Yeah. Uh, some legends portray the Superstition Mountains as a mystical place believed to be a gateway to the underworld or a realm of supernatural beings. These stories often describe strange occurrences, sightings of underworldly creatures, and unexplained phenomena in the area. So I set this one aside because I, I feel it uniquely distinct from folklore, and that is Native American lore about the Superstition Mountains. So we already heard a little bit about the Thunder God Cave. We also mm -hmm. have the light, Lightning Serpent. Uh, in Apache and Pima legends, the Superstition Mountains are often associated with Thunder God and also a powerful Lightning Serpent. These beings are believed to inhabit the mountains and control the weather, including thunderstorms and lightning. Um, there's also the Apache creation story, uh, which mentions the Superstition Mountains as one of the places where the creator, Usen, instructed the Apache to people to settle. According to the beliefs, Usen created the Apache people from the dust of the Superstition Mountains. Wow. Um the Superstition Mountains is also the place of many sacred burial grounds, including uh, from Native American tribes, including the Apache, Pima, and Tohono O'odham. These tribes believe the mountains house the spirits of their ancestors and hold religious ceremonies to honor and respect their sacredness of the land. Uh, it was also a traditional gathering and trading site by many Native American tribes. Um, 
uh, sacred vision quests were often performed on the superstition mountains. Again, if it was a place of, you know, sacred um, ancestry, then I can imagine why it would be chosen for other yeah. sacred, you know, things like vision quests. Yeah. Um, and a last little piece here is the uh, spirit animals. Native American tribes in the region believe the superstition mountains are inhabited by powerful spirit animals. These spirit animals are considered guardians of the land and play an essential role in the tribe's spiritual beliefs and practices. Especially uh, like the the jaguar or whatever. There's that one where the shadow, like at certain times of mm. year, the shadow hits it. Uh, or I mean, a uh, shadow is formed and it looks like a jaguar, yep. which is really freaking cool. I think it's, it's a jaguar or cougar, but yeah, it, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've seen a picture of it. Yeah, my dad's seen it. Yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. Now, a question is... Uh, in my own research, I couldn't find. Do you see where they came up with the name for why they named it Superstition Mountains? Um, I have not come across that. I looked for it as well. Yeah. And the only thing that I found is one little obscure uh, YouTube video where a person just says it's because of the Lost Dutchman uh, gold mine that it's yeah, the superstition I surrounding it. Yeah, they. The, what I found was that it, it it appeared first on a map produced in 1872, but nobody knows why. So. I mean, it, it certainly sounds like something a white guy came up with. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah. So. <laughs> Be careful, guys. There's black cats and ladders all over the place, and mirrors. <laughs> There's don't you break a mirror up there. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it is broken mirrors or something. I don't, I don't know. But um, it's, I mean, it's a, it's, it's definitely an, it's a ear catching name, right? I mean, it's, it, yep. it obviously attracts people. That's probably why the gold town at Ghost, Goldfield, or whatever is doing so well. Um, but I did want to take just a minute and uh, elaborate a little bit more on the Apache origin story because I kind of mentioned it in the beginning. So, mm -hmm. Again, the um, creator Usen emerged from the darkness and created the earth, the sky, and all living beings. Usen then created the first man and the first woman who became the ancestors of the Apache people. In the Apache creation story, Usen placed the first man and the first woman in a large cave in the mountains. The first man and the first woman emerged from the cave and began to populate the world. So it's just interesting that in their tradition, the first people came from effectively underground. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so they had children who grew up into different Apache clans, each with its own unique traditions and customs. The Apache people believe that Usen gave them the responsibility to protect and care for the earth and all living things. They were taught to live in harmony with nature, respect the land and its resources, and to maintain strong spiritual connection with the creator. The Apache origin story also includes a tale of emergence of important cultural elements. For example, the Apache people believe that Usen gave them the sacred language, songs, and ceremonies that are integral to their cultural practices. Um, and it also taught them how to live in a harsh desert environment, such as hunting, gathering, and farming techniques. Uh, throughout their history, the Apache people have passed down their origin story through oral traditions, storytelling, and rituals. It serves as a reminder of the deep connection of the land, their ancestors, and their cultural heritage. 
Um, it also makes a note here that it's important to note that the Apache origin story can vary among different Apache groups and individuals. While there are common elements, specific details of variations may exist within different Apache traditions and clans. Yeah. So let's get into some ghosts of the Superstition Mountains. Finally, we're getting into some convergences. <laughs> um, so the ghost of Jacob Waltz. We already mentioned him a little bit before. Mm -hmm. You know, the supposed lost Dutchman gold mine. Uh, it's said that he haunts the Superstition Mountains. Some hikers and treasure hunters claim to have encountered the apparition of a bearded man believed to be Waltz, warning them to stay away from the mine. It's mine. Just, yeah, the mine I, is mine. I just tell you right now, if I'm hiking and I see a dude telling me to stay away, that's I can see through. I'm gone. Bye. Yeah, you're not gonna be like, no, man, I got this. <laughs> I'm out. I'll be like, thank you for the uh, warning. I'll I'll catch you later. Here's some Reiki. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we got the uh, Goldfield Ghost Town. Uh, which I've had a chance to go to. I think you have as well. I, I've been there four or five times. Yeah. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite places here. Um, and if you're ever in the area, I highly encourage you to go because during the day, it's just kind of an old mining town. Uh, a lot of the original buildings are still there. There's little shops that are set up here and there. Yeah, they have um, actors that do shootouts and yeah. all kinds of stuff. There's an old no. brothel that's there. It's really yeah. cool, the history there. That's not interactive, but, you know, just, <laughs> if it was in Nevada, probably would be. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so it's rumored to be haunted by various spirits. Um, and actually you can go, they recently, I think within the last six months or so started doing ghost tours at night. So you can go, um, after, uh, all the common folk have left for the day with their kids and such, and you can go and do ghost tours at night and, um, and get scared because there is a part where they take you down into a, a mining area and they do this during the day. And they talk about, you know, kind of the mine and everything. And I don't want to give any of that away because it's a great story to hear it from the people who work there but um when you do the ghost tour they take you down there they turn off all the lights it's literally pitch black you can't see the hand in front of your face i tried mm -hmm. I, I tried holding yeah. the hand in front of my face you, you can't see it yeah um so it's just a really um it's a really great experience that i have not had a chance to do yet but i'm looking forward to being able to do so soon so yeah i, I would love to do a ghost hunt there so so um, next up, we have some ghostly miners. Um, several accounts mentioned by are mentioned ghostly apparitions and miners in and around the Superstition Mountains. These spectral figures are said to be remnants of the prospectors and miners who lost their lives while searching for the lost Dutchman's gold mine. Yeah, and and you know here's the here's the interesting thing about all of these these ghostly sightings and stuff in the Superstition Mountains. These come from non paranormal people. Like it's not just people out right. on a ghost hunt these are hikers that right. are hiking uh families that are hiking or um camping or, or whatnot yeah. and are seeing these things that and it's uh, it's crazy I, I think that for a lot of people they maybe get in their mind they they see these you know tv shows about uh ghost hunters and things like that or, or they hear or they see you know movies that are fiction movies that depict ghosts but um ghost don't often and at least in my experience don't often appear as like um see-through you know 
wispy apparitions. Like they, the ones that I've encountered appear in color. Like they're just, they're, there's just something different about them. Like the, you know, the picture that I took from um, the Henry Clay in Louisville. I mean, that, that picture of a, of a spirit is full color. Like it's, you can tell what color shirt that the kid's wearing. So, I mean, um, don't always assume that it's going to be some sort of a wisp that's going to brush by you on the path. It may be to you, a flesh and blood person that says, Hey, be careful at the next bend. And then they pass by you and you turn around to say, thank you. And there's nobody there. Yeah. Um, so, and then, you know, I'll say that, you know, I I picked out a couple little things for spirits. Some of them are by name, but others are just kind of general, like, Lost Hikers spirits, Apache Warrior spirits, the Peralta family ghosts. But um, there are just in the act of living in an area, there are probably a lot of people who have died, you know, in that yeah. area. Um, so it, it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody famous that you may encounter. It could be anybody that just well, is... Is, Not only that, know. it's the Superstition Mountains uh, host to many um, airplane crashes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a famous one that was in 1948 of a World War II training aircraft on the west side of the mountain. Uh, and in 2011, there was the uh, Rockwell Turbo Commander near the Flatiron with six fatalities. Yep. There's just fleet aircraft biplanes in 42 and 43 in Whiskey Spring Canyon. Um, just lots of different airplane crashes as well. So not yeah. just hikers, not just Native American, not just right. miners. I mean, we've got across it, the board. And, it, you know, and it, I don't know that there's a superstition mountain aspect of ghost experiences, because I think I think there's an opportunity for anybody who's really looking to have a quote unquote ghost or spirit experience anywhere that they are. Yeah. Um so I don't know that there's anything special necessarily about the superstition mountains that causes uh, ghosts or spirit sightings other than the name and the lore of the area may cause people to be, uh, to let's say, heighten their awareness right. of the possibility for seeing certain things. And because of that, they have those experiences. Yeah. All right, so you ready to get into some uh, cryptids, creatures of the superstition? Yes, yes. All right, so we've got the red-eyed creature. A large, hairy humanoid with glowing red eyes. Descriptions vary, but witnesses often describe it as tall, bipedal, and intimidating. (laughs) So it's me. Yeah, it's... (laughs) Um, I always think it's it, 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 there's there's just so much similarity, you know. Look at red-eyed creature here versus Mothman in West Virginia, also described yeah. as having red eyes. The only real difference between the two is that one had wings. Um, yeah. So you know, it's just is there is there something that we as humans associate with the color red that we always describe these things as being red-eyed, or are they truly red-eyed? You know, did right. something about having red eyes allows them to see in the dark or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, even when flashlights hit raccoons eyes and things like that, it's yellow. It's not red. 
right? So it's not like right. animal eyes are, are red like that. They always tend to come back green or green or yellow. Right. I think I think the only the only creature that I'm aware of that when their eyes are hit with a bright light, does it reflect red? Are humans. Think about cameras, pictures yeah. taken with cameras before you know the smartphone. Yeah, you would oftentimes have red eye, right? Because yeah. the light is bouncing off the back of your retina, producing that red effect. Right. And so that's the only animal that I'm aware of that has red eyes when hit with a light in the dark. So does that point to some sort of humanistic characteristic of a lot of these creatures? Non-human entity. Yeah, but still human-like, perhaps. Yeah. So right. <laughs> So next up, we have the Thunderbird, um, an enormous, an enormous bird-like creature resembling Thunderbirds, legendary creatures from Native American folklore. These creatures are described as having massive wingspans and are associated with powerful storms. And there was uh, the Thunder, the the kind of infamous or famous Thunder Thunderbird uh, Thunderbird picture from right. like the early, you know, I think it was like 30s or 40s or whatever. They're like, mm -hmm. you know, set off in the desert there. And a lot of people look at that and say that um, it was a hoax. Um, but I don't know. I wasn't there. So, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't there. And, and man, it was a lot harder to hoax things back then. Yeah. I mean, on, it's, on it's, film. On, yeah. On on a, on a camera where you have to hold still for 15 seconds, you know, while they take the picture. Right. So, um. Skinwalkers are in the area. Uh, we've talked about skinwalkers on the show before, but for anybody who is not aware, or this is the first time you're tuning in, uh, basically it is uh, thought to be they're shapeshifters. They're probably um, what's the term? Medicine medicine men who have um, you know kind of gone to the to the dark side of the force, so to speak. And so they can shape shift into various animals, although oftentimes seems to be the animal of choice is like a wolf or a, a, a big dog or something type experience. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, it's it's not that they're constant. They're not permanently in that form. They're just they shape into that form to have whatever. And then they can become a quote unquote man again. Um mm -hmm. But often it's, you know, we heard um, the Navajo Rangers, um, you know, uh, from the Stan. Stan, and I can't think of the other guy's name. Um, His name's John. John. You know, but I think Stan had an experience with a skinwalker. Um, and, you know, he said, if you ever if you ever see something that's just, you, you know, that's like a wild dog running next to your car, which is the experience that he had. You know, don't stop and get out. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, and it's just, it's one of those things where I think everybody who's encountered a skinwalker or who knows someone who has say, you know, just quickly, <clears throat> flee, quickly flee the area. Like it's, it's not a good oh, thing. Yeah. My, I, I work with a Navajo woman uh, at my day job and uh, I immediately was like, do you believe in skinwalkers? And she was like, yes. And then she proceeded to tell me one of her stories of a skinwalker just knocking on the window while she's in the kitchen, mm. you know, and then her literally grabbing her baby up and running three miles to her family's house, like to her mother's house. Wow. She ran three miles to get away from there. Like just mind blowing. Yeah. Like, 
yeah so um not that i'm trying to discourage anybody from coming to visit superstition mountains just you know <laughs> be prepared hike with a buddy so yeah hike, hike with a buddy yeah uh then we got the uh chupacabra um although primarily associated with latin american folklore there have been a few reports of chupacabra sightings in the vicinity of the superstition mountains they're said to be small reptile-like creatures that attack and drain the blood of livestock uh giant snakes some individuals have claimed to have encountered unusually large snakes including snake-like creatures of immense size and unknown species uh, these uh, sightings have often lacked the detailed descriptions or concrete evidence so shadow people now, I, i've seen some shadow people since moving here yeah um you know they're dark humanoid figures often associated with paranormal phenomena some hikers and campers in the superstition mountains have afforded fleeting glimpses of shadowy figures or shapes lurking among the trees or rocks man let me let me just go ahead and share this because we we get together with shane heard about once a month and uh we we do some ufo hunting or just paranormal activities uh things like that and a few months a few months back his granddaughters got us dude got us good we were talking about shadow people and there was one point shane thought he saw one run run in front of your car but nobody else saw it so we were like "Eh, i don't know and he was he wasn't 100 percent sure and then later on man as we're getting deep into this we're tired we're getting into it him and i both see two running through he's got he has horses so he's got an arena and um these short you know just complete shadow figures running past but like hearing no sound and it turns out it was his granddaughters who dressed in all black to mess with us man got us and we we later found out that um one of them was trying to climb the fence uh to like you know kind of get away from being caught and actually fell face forward on the ground and (laughs) got all scratched up and stuff but said it was totally worth it yeah (laughs) but totally got us got us so good man yeah got us so good it was it was kudos to uh shane's granddaughters and their friends because it it got us good yeah so um but so moving on so we have dog man uh similar to other regions Especially Kentucky. Been, Kentucky has a lot of dogmen. Yeah, and, and uh, I think Georgia and South Carolina do as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, dogman-like creatures in the Superstition Mountains area. Witnesses describe a creature with the body of a large dog or wolf and the upright posture of a human. Yep. Uh, reptilian humanoids. A few accounts mention encounters with reptilian humanoids in or near the Superstition Mountains. Witnesses describe... Humanoid figures with a scaly skin, slitted eyes, and reptile-like features. Now, maybe those are uh, the reptilians, you know, from the yeah, you know, the Galactic Federation. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Um, or the royal, the royal family. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other, the other thing is, uh, what was it? Oh, oh my goodness! I'm going to totally blank on the person who told me this story. Uh, they said they were hiking in the uh, mountains. Oh, I remember what it was. I was looking up stuff around the area. This has been a couple of years ago, but I came across a story of a guy who was supposedly hiking in the superstition area. Uh, he came up, came up to like this this ridge, and we looked down into like this lower valley below. He said it looked like a military installation, 
and there was a tunnel cut into the rockway with like a like a you know like a the kind of like tin can looking thing that protrudes out of the tunnel at um uh in Colorado the yeah, in you know, Colorado. big mountain the big mountain up mm-hmm. there and so he said he kind of watched for a little while like it was it was not far enough away that he he could kind of see what was going on and he said that these like really tall lizard looking people kept walking in and out of the tunnel and there were all these tables set up um outside in the clearing and he said they would like walk on and sit at a table and then there would just be people like humans on the table and they would just reach out and tear off chunks of human flesh and eat it oh do i know this person no Oh, okay. I thought it was our friend that also had a, a Phoenix no, Light sighting. They had a yeah. They had he's a, got some good superstition mountain stories. I know, and his is similar. But no, this yeah. is something else. And um, but yeah, I mean, I, and he's like, you know, you know, the the guy that was writing this article is like, um, I just pretty much turned and left immediately. It's like, oh, I don't like yeah, you. I'd be gone too. So, but, like, I ain't sticking around for a snack. <laughs> yeah, really. Um. So next up, we have the Little People, or uh, Duendies, a Native American and Hispanic folklore stories of Little People, or Duendies, small supernatural beings. Uh, There have been rare reports of sightings or encounters with these diminutive creatures in the Superstition Mountains. Which we covered Duendies, didn't we, in our Fairies episode, Fairies Around the World. I think we did, and I think we also covered it very early on when we did Native American Folklore episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so now I'm just going to touch through, uh, about seven or eight different UFO sightings of the superstition mountains. Um, so September 24th, 1997, um, same year as the Phoenix lights, different month, Mm -hmm. multiple witness reported seeing unusual lights in the sky over the superstition mountains. The lights were described as bright and maneuvering in a way that was inconsistent with conventional aircraft. Um, July 14th, 2005, a group of hikers claimed to have witnessed a large metallic disc-shaped object hovering above the mountains. The object was reported to have emitted a pulsating light and remained stationary for a significant period of time before disappearing at high speed. Wow. Um, March 12th, 2008, several individuals reported observing a triangular-shaped craft with bright lights hovering over the mountains. The object was described as silent and larger than any known aircraft. Witnesses claimed that the craft made sudden and abrupt maneuvers before dis- disappearing from sight. Yeah, something that large making sudden and abrupt I know, movements. I know. <clears throat> Just boggles the mind. Like I was watching something the other day. I, I think it was something about the moon. And there was a video that was shown as potential evidence. And I was like, oh, my God, that looks fake. But, you know, I I think I've talked about this on the show before, or at least maybe on Astral Stew, is, you know, I think that, like, the absurdity, so to speak, of the physics behind some of these UFO or UAP sightings that maybe our de facto response is it's fake because you know we don't really know what to expect from the capabilities of something that <clears throat> defies our understanding of the laws of physics right 
<clears throat> so I'm just I'm wondering how many times we dismiss things as fake when in all actuality they may not be simply because we can't comprehend how it's doing what it's doing. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so on October 27th, 2011, a motorist driving near the mountains reported seeing a large glowing object in the sky. The object appeared to change colors and shape as it moved. The witness stated that the object emitted a pulsating light before disappearing behind the mountains. Ooh. Um, June 8th, 2014. Multiple witnesses reported seeing a series of bright orb-like objects moving erratically in the sky near the mountains. The objects were described as changing colors and darting in various directions at high speeds. The sighting lasted for several minutes before the objects vanished from sight. Very cool. And lastly, um, September 19th, 2019. By the way, this is not the last sighting but just the last one that I have recorded here for discussion. An individual captured video footage of a bright, unidentified object hovering over the mountains. The object displayed pulsating lights and erratic movements before disappearing out of sight. The footage gained attention on social media platforms and sparked discussions among UFO enthusiasts. Have you seen the footage? I have not. I have not. Yeah. I wonder where we can find that at. I don't know. It's probably on New Fork or MUFON. Or, in all actuality, it's probably on Reddit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, uh, just for kind of, uh, uh, you know, being as thorough as possible, I do also have here some various um, uh, writings that people have done, books and such, um, Mm -hmm. about the Superstition Mountains. If anybody wanted to look into, you know, look into any of these things, I'll, I'll go ahead and kind of rattle four or five of them off here. So there's the Superstition Mountain, A Ride Through Time by Richard C. Magnum. Um, Magnum, excuse me. Uh, this book is comprehensive, looking at history, legends, and mystery surrounding the Superstition Mountains. Um, the Superstition Mountains of Arizona, The Mountains That Kill by Charles, <laughs> D., uh, Charles D. Ormsby. Uh, in this book, the author delves into the dangerous and treacherous nature of the Superstition Mountains. It examines the various theories and stories associated with the mountains, including dis- disappearances, deaths, and the enduring legends. Yeah. Uh, the Secret of Superstition Mountain by Robert Joseph Allen. Uh, also, Adventure, Mystery, and the History of the Superstition Mountains. Uh, this is actually a fiction book. It follows the journey of a young boy who uncovers clues about the lost Dutchman gold mine. Um. And last little bit here is uh, Superstition Wilderness Trails East, Hikes, Horse Rides, and History by Jack Carlson. So if you do want to visit the area, you do want to go out and do some some trails and such, this might be a good one to pick up. You can see some trails that are recommended as well as maybe see some of those things that Steph had talked about in the beginning with petroglyphs and other things. Mm-hmm. You know, not just the desert landscape, but some other areas around the mountain area. So bottom line when you look at all this you know the superstition mountains from its birth four and a half billion years ago to um being you know the site and home for numerous native american tribes and their sacred uh, rituals all the way through to current sightings of what we call you know ufos or or strange beasts and what native americans might have likely called uh you know spirits of the creator um, there is a lot happening in and around the Superstition Mountains and definitely worth 
you know, doing some investigation. You know, if somebody wanted to come out and just set up and do a long-term investigation of the mountains, I bet you they would catch and find some amazing things. Yep. Everybody always thinks Sedona is the place to go for uh, supernatural activity, which it is. Don't get me wrong. That and Jerome, but Superstition Mountains place to go as well. I yep. have to say, especially if you're staying in the Phoenix area for a short amount of time, it's very, it's very short drive. I mean, it's not that far at all. Yeah, there's lots. To, like I said, there's lots of there's Canyon Lake. You know, if you want to go swimming, there's Tortilla Flats, which is a really cool little town. Goldfield, the Lost Dutchman's uh, Museum, uh, all kinds of cool stuff. So definitely uh, Arizona Bureau of Tourism is not a sponsor. Just letting you know, (laughs) just something we're both. But if they want to be, no. (laughs) Yeah, both very fascinated uh, since moving here um, by the Superstition Mountains and just everybody has a story that lives out here. Um, Yeah. I've yet to come across someone that's been to the Superstitions and not have, have some sort of weird story. And like Steph had said, I mean, I, I see them out of my, you know, from my house, um, and I've, you know, caught some interesting things, uh, near my house, as far as, you know, lights in the sky and such, um, and seen some interesting things in my backyard. And is that because I'm in close proximity to the mountain? I don't know. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, that there's a lot of mountains here in the Phoenix area, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Yet this is the one that has the stories. This is the range that has the entrance to the underworld or to right. the hollow earth, you know, to, you know, inside the earth. Why? What makes it that? What sort of energy yeah. is, it, you know, makes me wonder, you know, is there quartz underneath there? Is there something that, well, that is spinning energy? It's funny because there is. Um, <clears throat> because back when, I don't remember, I think it might have been when we were starting to get some of the notifications and things from uh, the the person, the the anomalous person, the person that identified themselves as terrorist, you know, that we were getting those emails mm-hmm. and such. Um, I started looking at, uh, you know, the kind of the, the different mineral deposits and some of the areas that they were directing us to look. And then out of curiosity, I looked at the, the Phoenix area and there's actually quite a bit of quartz in excuse me, in around the Estrella Mountains, the South Mountain, and the Superstition Mountains. So. Very cool. Yeah. You know, and of course, there's a lot of quartz in Sedona and everything as well. This is why there's supposedly such the concentration of vortexes and energy that's there is because of all the quartz that's there. So. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Very so, interesting, So, um, bottom line, I think you could say there's quite a bit going on in Superstition Mountains, and you should check it out. Yeah. And so to wrap that, bring that all back around is, is what is it? Is it the quartz? Is it the mineral deposits? Is it that that creates this convergence of all this supernatural activity? Is is that what is the reason? And that's what we're constantly looking into and hopefully find it. But, you know, right, as of right now, quartz has been kind of the number one, Yeah, uh, you know, thing you look at Somerset. You know, we we've talked to uh, Nathan and and those guys, uh, the Penny Royal guys, that there's a huge quartz deposit there. You know, right. Sedona, huge quartz deposit. We just said the Superstition Mountains quartz deposit. Is it quartz? Is is that what's happening? Or are these entrances to something else? Um, is there hidden entrances to something else? You know, well, and I don't know. Are they are they not physical entrances? Right? Are right. they are they portals? Sort of a portal or a cross? You know, crossing between dimensions or something that happens to, mm-hmm. you know, and it uses the uh, 
the ability for quartz and the piezoelectric effect to be able to create those portal entrances or spin them up, so to speak. So, (laughs) right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Like I said, though, it's something that's fascinating. And and hopefully in my time here, um, you know, I'll be able to do a little bit more investigating and see if we can get some answers to some of that stuff since I'm, you know, in the backyard of the superstition mountains. Yep. All right, cool. Well, let's uh, go ahead and get out of here. Uh, Before we wrap things up, Josh, did you want to let people know where uh, they can check out our our store at? Yep. If you go to theconvergenceenigma.com and on there at the top, there's a header bar and store is one of the links you can click. While you're there um, on our webpage, you can also look at the UAP hearing transcript that was from a few months ago. Um, as well as other little things that we add on to the website as we find them. But our store has a lot of different t-shirts. This is one of them. Our kind of logo for the Convergence Enigma with Josh and Stefan. You can pick one of those up. You don't have to get it on a t-shirt. You can get it on a mug, a mask, a tote bag, a pillow, whatever the case may be. <laughs> and um, it's it's more than just, you know, our brand logo. We have a yeah. lot of just great cryptid t-shirts and and just all sorts of fun, spooky, goofy just stuff. Great, great little designs that really help, uh, you know, kind of set you up as being, hey, I knew about and believed about UFOs before everybody else did. Yeah, the tr- we got a Truth Is Now shirt that's uh, yeah. available. So um, fun stuff like that. It's just a fun little way for you to support us while getting something out of the deal, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but so and right, they're, yep, they're all hosted on T Public, which runs specials every now and then. So sometimes you can get those things at like half price if you check at the right time. So. Do you know if it ships international? Because I know we do have a lot of international listeners as well. Uh, you know, I I think they do, but I'm not entirely sure. So, well, let us know, international folks. Yeah. Um, other than that, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. We love you guys. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Convergence Enigma with Josh and Stefan. Uh, we are out of here, and uh, we already miss you. Uh, we'll, we'll be back here. Before you know it, we'll be back. Um, but make sure to check us out uh, on our other show, Astral Stew, with our good friend Santosh. You can find that on YouTube uh, or just search it into your Spotify or iTunes. There's a podcast version of Astral Stew as well. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, check out Astral Stew on YouTube if you're that uh, person. But please check out our other show because that's where we have so much fun. We have yep. a blast. <laughs> but we will see you guys. And uh, this is Stefan saying goodbye and a reminder, keep your eyes to the skies. And this is Josh. The truth is now. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night.